Shut up and sit down. Hello, strangers, and welcome to Strangers in a Cinema. I'm with your co-host Paul Addison here with co-host Grace Williams. Grace, how are you this week? I'm I'm wonderful, thank you. I'm very sleepy this morning of the time of recording because I I got like five hours sleep, but I am super ready for action, as you can tell by my barely open eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine. Well, thank you for getting up. Um, I'm no quite problems. excited because. Uh, we've got loads of new microphones in kit in front of us, haven't we? We do. We've got a, a microphone each. There's a mixing deck. And, yeah. Uh, to be honest, I've all got a little bit lost setting it up. So there's a chance, as what happened last time when I said that we've got new mics on the show, that the whole show will end up sounding worse and we might have to go back to the drawing board. <laughs> but fingers crossed, with a microphone each, we might be onto something here. And you yeah. might you might hear uh, some improved sound quality with the show. You might not, but let us know. <laughs> I feel like I should be wearing a suit or something. It's just so snazzy. <laughs> You know, I feel so professional. It's still in my, it's still in my fairly tidy <laughs> spare room with sort of piles of Blu-rays that need to be organised and some that need to go to CEX. So uh, yeah. yeah, it's not as, it's not that glamorous, listeners. I'll, uh, I'll make that. But quite appropriate. Clear. Yes, but appropriate. <laughs> I think it seems it seems like a fitting room to record the show in. Yeah. Or the or the studio. The studio. It's more like a studio now, shall we say? Yeah, yeah, definitely. But um, <laughs> yes, enough about that. Um, what have we got coming up this week? We're going to have a brief chat to say hello. Oh, the Oscars changed their mind this week, didn't they? Yes, they you were did. Me about this beforehand. I was, yeah. All the all the directors were like, "What are you doing, doing the cinematography and editing awards during the break? There wouldn't be any bloody films without those people, you idiots!" So the Oscars. I mean, were I'm like, pretty much it. with all the directors that wrote an open letter of complaint here because yeah. to show certain awards in the advert breaks is demeaning. Yeah, it's, it's definitely demeaning the craft. Um, you know, of any of any of those. Any of those? What was it? Hair? It was hair and makeup, cinematography, editing, like and editing. I think, yeah. Which you know, <laughs> which all like, of those are key parts of filmmaking. Well, yeah, it's called filming. Like. Yeah, and you know, editing is especially uh, editing and cinematography, especially not to take away from anyone who does hair and makeup, but editing and cinematography are the language of film without a shadow of doubt. So, it was a stupid decision from the Oscars. Well done for reversing it, but yeah. you shouldn't have made the decision in the first place. Yeah, exactly. And like, I really like the, with the whole campaign, Spike Lee especially, who like on every talk show when he was talking about it was just like so grumpy in his tracksuit bottoms and the whole <laughs> time. It was amazing. He's just like, just do it. And then he just sort of sat there all surly, like, oh, I'm really angry about this. So yeah, yeah well done, Spike, Spike Lee. does angry very well. He really fairness. does, he does. yeah. He's a, he's, a good, he's a good angry man. But, uh, you know, are we still excited about the Oscars? We're a bit more excited now, maybe. It's Sunday mm. night, isn't it? Is it Sunday? Yeah, it's Ooh. this weekend. Oh, do you know, I used weekend. to get dressed up and, like, stream it, but I don't know. Maybe they'll... Maybe, oh. I think I'm working. Oh, no, I'm off, on the, oh, I'm off on the Monday. Oh, you should wear, like, a tux. Hold on a minute, just... I've got the Monday off. I'm going to watch them live. Do it. There you go, I've decided. Yes. And that will... Uh, do you know what? <laughs> this segues brilliantly into what I was going to talk about next. Yeah. Because this weekend, yeah, you see what I've done here? The Oscars yeah. is this weekend. I'm doing something else this weekend. I'm going to Bristol this weekend to something called Rebel Film Festival, which I think is its first time in Bristol. I believe it's a film festival that started life in Plymouth. Uh, but I'm sure the guys behind it will correct me when they're coming up. When, well, we'll have an interview with them on the next week's show. Mm. We were going to meet up with them this week before the film festival, but uh, the film festival comes first and they were very busy. So we're hoping, or I'm hoping to sit down with them on Monday. Mm. Uh, so we'll have an interview with them in next week's show, along with full thoughts of what I thought of Rebel Film Festival. Um, so I'm quite excited about it. It's short, well, short and feature film festival in Bristol. Spread over two days, uh, lots of nice beer, lots of nice food from the sound of it, and some premieres of a South African, I think a film called South African Spook Hunter, um, which sounds like a lot of fun to me, um, and uh, an Australian feature called Reaching Distance, which has got a lot of love on IMDb, but I don't think it's gone much further than that in terms of release, so mm. um, UK premieres of that, lots of short films, which is always quite enjoyable. Um, and another film called Book Week, which is another feature that they're showing. So I'm quite excited about Rebel Film Festival. Where's it being held? Uh, it is being held in Bristol at the... It's not the... Is it the Watershed? No, it's not at the Watershed. It's at oh. the Arts Centre, I think. Oh, um, a little bit further the Arts so. Centre. Okay, cool. Yes, I forget which Arts Centre it is now. Uh, and yes, it's being held at an art centre because I've completely forgotten where it is. Uh, <laughs> okay. So sorry, Rebel Film Festival. <laughs> you can find out more details on rebelfilmfestival.com. There are still tickets avail- available. There are still tickets available. It's not too far from the centre of Bristol. In all fairness, um, there are still tickets available. Day and weekend tickets, as far as I'm aware. 
Um, so yeah, check it out. Um, I think they're going up to Edinburgh later in the year as well. So Ooh. they seem to be taking it on tour, which Touring is quite exciting. But good. you know, you can hear all that from the horse's mouth next week when some of the team behind Rebel Film Festival will be doing an interview with us on Wicked. the show. So that's a bit of promotion for next week. Yeah. Um, but what what do we have coming up? Exciting time. <laughs> so exciting. We are um going to be discussing reviewing um diving into if beale street could talk this week because that had the official cinema run um and then we're also going to be um discussing our top five book to screen adaptations but i set the challenge of choosing books that we'd read because i kind of realized that like most films are books <laughs> so well, yeah, also, also just to clarify that position we, we so we had sort of this time last night we had a big sort of interview size hole in the show and i sort of watched that grace and was like yeah kind of need a new feature now and uh you're like our oh, top five uh book to film adaptations i was like oh, that's a piece of piss yeah. and i was just like oh just like right you know like godfather can be in there like, yeah no, just, everything just literally ever. everything you can imagine can be in there and then grace kind of went books that we've read yeah and i was like ah oh, shit <laughs> so that made it that made it more interesting for sure. So it's uh, yeah, it's top five book book, ad- book adaptations, uh, but we have to have read the books. Yes. Um. So this should this should be interesting. To be fair. So that that opened it up a little bit. Yeah. Um, and yeah, as you said, in a Bill Street uh, review of a Bill Street could talk. Yeah. Uh, but before that, what have you been watching, Grace? I've been watching lots of stuff. Um. So I went to watch Green Book again because I loved it so much. You watched it twice now. Yeah, I love it. I loved it second time around as well because I was just like, oh, they're going to become best friends and I just love watching the story. It was so nice. It was wonderful. So that that was really... And I cried again. You cried again. Again. I love... It's like literally one of my favourite films of the last decade, I think. Probably. Um, but um, And then I also went to watch Alita. Alita. In uh, 3D. I and people were talking the whole way through, and it made me so cross. I hate it. But anyway, that's just another cinema. I just it just keeps happening to me. I keep going to the cinema, and people are just blooming talking all the well, way that through. Well, happened in If Bill Street Could Talk as well, didn't it? If Bill, yeah, If Bill Street Could Talk, and also um, blooming. What was it I went to watch? And they were talking the whole way through. Oh, it'll come back to me. But yeah, really irritating. But the film was really good. I really enjoyed it. Um, I thought it was really. Um, imaginative. I didn't realise it was based on a manga originally, but um, I, I had a whale of a time with it. I thought it was, um, it had a good cast. I thought the effects were amazing. I thought the girl was really endearing. I liked the world that um, Rodriguez had built. Um, it was a bit like, um, it was a bit like Blade Runner with, um, oh, what's that? Spe- not Speed, is it Speed Racer? The oh, the um, Wachowski, yeah, the Wachowski brothers, yeah, uh, or siblings, shall we say? <laughs> I do apologize, um, yeah, the Wachowski siblings, uh, speed racer, yeah, that's it, yeah, yeah. it was a bit like that, but yeah, I, I liked it, I didn't think it was as bad, I was expecting it to be just like really terrible, but I really enjoyed it, so yeah, yeah. I thought it was fun, like yeah. as I said, I thought it was, it was clumsy in places, some of the dialogue, like Hunted Warriors or whatever, I sort of let out an awkward chuckle every time I heard that. Yeah. But bits of it were clunky, but overall I had, I still had, I had a great time with it. The yeah. The pieces are incredible. Yeah. And as I said, if you go in and expect to be entertained by some beautiful visuals, yeah. then that's that's a leader in a nutshell, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, I, I liked it. I yeah. Liked it. Um, what have you been watching? What have I been watching? I've been yeah. watching a few things this week. I caught up with uh, a film from last year that I, I don't think I talked about on last week's show, and if I did, then just listen to that as well. Uh, this is Beast. Um, yeah. which won the BAFTA recently for Outstanding British Debut for Director... I've completely forgotten the director's name now, which I'll find out in a minute. Mm. For Director Michael Pearce. Um, so, yeah, feature debut, very accomplished feature debut, starring uh, Jesse Buckley and Johnny Flynn, who are two people I've not really crossed paths with before, to be honest, in terms of film. Yeah. Um, I thought the film itself, uh, I'm not going to give too much away. It's very, I'd say it's very well put together. I can see why BAFTA have nominated it. Uh, it's incredibly atmospheric as well. There's, there's there's a palpable sense of unease. Essentially, set on the island, I will go into the plot a little bit, as I've just said, I won't. Um, 
it's set on in Jersey, uh, is my understanding of it. And you have like the black sheep of the family played by Jesse Buckley, mm. uh, who kind of falls in love with another sort of one of the outcasts, society, the island's outcasts. Um, and there's a mystery as to whether he might be involved in some murders or not. And it's kind of his ear is and does she know, does she not know, does she care, that kind of thing. Mm. So there's a whole, there's a very palpable sense of unease throughout the whole film. And it's got yeah. a nice visual style to it. And it's, it is very, very well made. Yeah. Um, very, very well put together. I don't think it quite lands the ending. Mm. Um, I'm not going to, definitely not going to spoil what that is. But it certainly, there's some great performances in it. Johnny Flynn's great, uh, as is Jesse Buckley in this. Mm. Um, so yeah, well worth, well worth checking out if you haven't. Uh, for me, the BAFTA should have gone to Apostasy, um, which I thought was the better film. And if you haven't seen Apostasy yet, you should definitely check that out. That's great. Um, but yeah, Beast is, is solid. It's certainly a solid debut. Michael Pierce is definitely a director I'll be watching out for going forward. Awesome. What else awesome have you been source. watching? Um, I watched a really cool um, 2008 horror film called Splinter. I've seen Splinter. It's good, isn't which it? Which was like, I was so surprised that um, how it went. Um, so basically the plot is, it's like a really small, I guess a village in the woods. Some lovers are camping and then decide they can't put up a tent. So they're like, oh, well, we'll go to a motel instead then. And then at the same time, there's some runaway um, baddie couple uh, who are like, we've got to get to the Mexican border. Um, let's hijack a car. So they hijack the lover's car. And then, so you think it's going to be like a, you know, a heisty hostage situation. And then it turns into a full-blown horror because there's a creature in the blooming woods. And that creature, it's like the thing crossed with a critter. And it's bloody brilliant. And I love that it was amazing um, special effects. And yeah, I was gripped. Yeah, the creature's quite creative in fairness, isn't it? Yeah. I rightly. I mean, it is like, it is the thing with big spikes. But I loved that. Yeah. So, yeah, I, you know, I'm easily pleased. Yeah, I know I'm with you, to be honest. I think I remember <laughs> watching Splinter, not, I don't think as it came out, but a couple of years after it came out, having read quite good things, and I was just like, oh, this is, this mm. is actually quite good. Mm. Uh, yeah, so Splinter, if you haven't seen it, I, yeah. I would I would heartily recommend it as well. Yeah. I'm, I want to watch it again now. Yeah, do it. I will. Amazon Prime. <laughs> I will. It's on Amazon Prime now? Yeah. I'm definitely going to check it out again then. Yeah. Um, as it's hereditary go and watch it go and watch it okay. it's hereditary on Amazon Prime now. Yeah. oh fantastic yeah if you haven't seen hereditary you, you should know off. if you listen to the show on a regular basis you should know our thoughts on hereditary so I'm not promoting Amazon but you know yeah, <laughs> if you that. have <laughs> what else are you watching um, I rewatched Toy Story did you I don't know if you heard of that one no. No? Okay. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, just it's lost none of its magic. It's 24 years old now, Toy Story. Well, that, that makes is, sense. It makes sense. Yeah, it's it makes sense. It sounds like, so, yeah, I mean, I don't want to reveal my age, but, you know, I was under 10 when that came okay. out. So. I was over 10 when Toy Story oh, okay. came out. So, yeah, cool. there we go. Yeah. Um, Jesus, I was 13. I was 13 when Toy Story came out. Really? Just, yeah. Ooh, okay. Yeah. What year uh, was it? 1995. Oh, yeah, I was, I was six. Oh, yeah. Six years old. There we go. Yeah, there we go. I remember so, it. I was so yeah, amazed. Yeah, it's just it still looks great. Um, especially the, the the job they've done on the the Pixar Blu-rays just always look incredible. I think so. Right. There's something about CGI that that lends it so works lends itself so well mm. to high definition. Yeah, and it, they just look so sharp and yeah. so vibrant. It looks yeah. incredible. It's just, I mean, it's difficult. It's almost difficult because I would say Toy Story is one of those films that I've always when it's on at Christmas I've always watched it. I yeah, I kind of. There's certain films I know I've seen a lot, like the Star Wars films. I know I've sought those out and watched those lots of times. Yeah. I've probably watched Toy Story more times than I care to remember. So yeah. I know it so well. Yeah. It's almost like, why bother watching it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But still, even even on that proviso, the yeah. magic's still there on this. It's, you can you can see why it's revered as the classic. It's revered as you can see why it kind of launched Pixar into the stratosphere. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's just, yeah, the, the magic's still there. The energy's still there. The voice performances are great. And the creativity in it is just... It's just superb. So, yeah. um, Toy Story 2, I think I've only seen once or twice. So I'm looking forward to watching that next. And then 3, in preparation, obviously, for Toy Story 4, which is out this summer, isn't it? I think. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I think I was like okay with just Toy Story 2. Okay. You know, because it kind of, it's good to bring like new characters in. And I know a lot of people actually think Toy Story 3 is the better sequel. Mm. Um, so I don't know if they can top it with Toy Story 4. Maybe it'll be overkill. I'm sure we'll discuss it. I don't know, it. I'm kind of thought... I, <laughs> I kind of thought that Toy Story 3 did a nice job of wrapping up the 
Yeah, right. The story, to yeah, be fair. Like... And there, there were moments where I actually thought there was a moment towards the end when they're all going down into the the crusher thing. <laughs> You're like, or the incinerator. Oh, like, Are they going to kill them? I was like, if they kill them, that would be amazing. Yeah, like, yeah, well, yeah. It wouldn't be. There's it's a moral but lesson. part of me was just like, go on, kill them. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Can you imagine the cinema if all the toys had died in Toy Story oh, 3? Oh, it would be like that when would be half Ewoks ruined, died. Wouldn't it? Yeah. Suck. <laughs> oh, my God. But amazing. <laughs> but they didn't, so it's no, fine. No, they're fine. Spoilers. Come, yeah. <laughs> they survived. If you haven't seen Toy Story 3 yet, the toys survive. Um, <laughs> and they'll be back for Toy Story 4, which yeah. is out this summer. Yeah. Um, the, before I do any more shameless promotion for Pixar, what else have you seen? <laughs> um, so, yeah, final film. Um, I watched a film called Incarnate with um, Aaron Eckhart. The man with the squintiest face in, in, in the <laughs> just never tell whether his eyes are open or not. He's always just acting through his face. But um, yeah, it's a, a Blumhouse uh, production. I, I I wasn't super impressed by it. It's basically there's um, Aaron Eckhart plays like a guy who can um, fall asleep and help people who are possessed. Um, right and, okay and, I'm out I think um, and then and so he's got to like um, and he's in a wheelchair because he's had a car accident and there's something spooky about the car accident but um, he's got to go and help a little boy who's been possessed by a demon who's specifically like calling for him and so he's got to, yeah and he's got this team of like punks who help him but yeah it wasn't as this like scary I'm, I'm gonna be honest it's on netflix you can give it a go um i i was i was not scared i was it was a bit like the ending was a bit predictable it was quite exorcist style spoilers sorry but yeah <laughs> so i watched that it was okay i mean it, yeah um but i've also kind of been binge watching umbrella academy as well which is, is that, like is my chemical romance got something to do with that yeah it's gerard way's comic book uh, comic see. series okay. um which has been adapted um and it's is got anywhere, ellen page is in it anywhere near as annoying as his band or no hey hey now like um but, but this is because i was 13 in 1995 so i missed i was a bit too old for my chemical romance shall we say <laughs> hey so. yeah you just don't get the emo vibe man yeah. I, that was What's my teenager yeah. years <laughs> listen um no i I'm, I'm i'm not too against uh my chemical romance but um the the comics are are i actually started reading a couple so since this series came out and they're actually I was put off by the Gerard Way thing, and then I was like, "Oh no, actually, these are pretty good." Um, but yeah, it's kind of um, the series is kind of X Men like. It's got Ellen Page in it, and she's a she's amazing. I really like her. Okay. I'll, I'll you know I'll watch almost anything she's in, um, and it's basically about um, this time in 1989 where 43 children across the world are born at exactly the same time by women who just suddenly miraculously get pregnant like within 10 minutes and have a baby like okay so it's kind of kind of god godlike you know um like virgin birth yeah yeah yeah. yeah um and then this um crazy rich man adopts seven of them basically and pays money and then brings them up and they've all got abilities so he kind of forms them to be a uh, this thing called the Umbrella Academy who right. got to save the world and then it cuts like you know decades later and they've all disbanded and the fathers died so they all come back together and then lots of stuff ensues saving the world that kind of thing but it's a lot it less almost too much like the X-Men to be worth bothering with is it, it is, is it good in its own right does it stand on its own two feet yeah or? i re- i'm really enjoying it i'm really enjoying the aesthetics the effects the cat there's really interesting characters so like um for example one of the um one of the characters, his power is basically that he can communicate with the dead and he doesn't really understand his full powers. And because he he it messes him up so much, he's basically a junkie so that he right. doesn't have this like constant connection with the dead. And he's played by the, um, oh, I've forgotten his name, the Irish actor who is in Misfits and Killing Bono. He's got curly brown hair. I've completely forgotten his name, but he's really good. Okay. Um, but so that's, yeah. Um, and there's like a... a chimp that talks in it who's like the kind of butler of the house he's really cool yeah i i, I highly recommend it I, okay. i'm way more into it than i thought i was going to be there's a guy called space boy right yeah and there's another girl called the rumor who goes like i heard a rumor and then she can make anyone do what okay she wants i'm intrigued yeah. <laughs> i'm intrigued i have to say i've got to yeah. get through handmaid's tale first though to okay which is pretty good yeah really i've good, heard that's really yeah. good yeah yes yeah, yeah. so i'm enjoying that so far yeah um, talking of Netflix, yeah. um, I watched Velvet Buzzsaw 
Yeah, you didn't like it, did you? No. Fair enough. Um, I just, I think it had all the potential in the world to be great, and there is some definitely some very cool visual flourishes yeah, yeah. in this, which yeah. I quite enjoyed. But yeah. the story is kind of almost non-existent and all over the shop. I think. Yeah. Um. Yeah. You're like, and what's Velvet Buzzsaw? What's that? Oh, it's a tattoo on someone's shoulder, and then they don't really go into that. Mm. And I just thought the tone was kind of the tone was a little bit all over the shop. Sometimes mm. black comedy, sometimes horror. Mm. I didn't, didn't find it that scary. I don't think it really landed landed where it needed to go. And if I think if it had been a full half an hour shorter, yeah, I think you more you might have been onto something quite trashy and actually quite enjoyable. And I think if they'd just gone down that route, yeah, of just like a, a trashy horror set in the art world with all these sort of paintings coming to life and killing people, I think that would have that would have worked for me more than this did. But yeah, I really tried. Yeah, yeah, I no. really tried with this, and I, w- I wanted to enjoy it. Yeah. Um, they just didn't. It was that woman, wasn't it? Yeah. She is just so irritating. Um, yeah. You've seen this, haven't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I, I liked Jake Gyllenhaal's performance in it, and I really liked the concept of um, an artist who can kind of like kill with his paintings. It kind of reminded me of that um scene in um the witches where the girl gets sucked into the painting because the, uh, yeah. the paintings but she doesn't get sucked but she like appears in the painting or yeah. something i kind of yeah i really like that idea and I, yeah i think i agree with you in the respect that i don't feel like they did enough to kind of explain and um elaborate on this guy's paintings and yeah. what the, the poignancy and and the horror of it really it was just sort of like i don't think they knew whether they were going to skewer the art world or make a horror film yeah uh and i don't think i think that it, as a result it ended up feeling like quite limp they're trying to make a horror square me. weren't they have you seen that film the yeah. square yeah, yeah I, like, was, I really like the square but yeah yeah no, so, I enjoy. I I I probably enjoyed it more than you, but you know, maybe like it, yeah. you know, yeah. Jake. It's, it's fun. It, it's fun in parts. And yeah, the visual the visual elements are great for sure. Yeah. It does look great in places. Um, there's one more I just wanted to pigeonhole in. Yeah, uh, if that's all right with pigeon you. Pigeon it. Ooh, uh, ooh. This is Wild Rose, which I saw last night as part of Odeon's oh, yeah. Screen Unseen. I'm glad I missed that. Um, yeah, it was fine. I saw an emoji it's of like fine. cowboy boots and a and a mic, and I was like, oh no, this is going to be a well, singy I mean, singy film. Isn't yeah, it? if you don't like country music, then steer well clear because it is made quite clear that the lead character, played <laughs> once again by Jesse Buckley. Um, is very much into country music and that will be reinforced throughout the whole film when they play country music at every possible <sighs> opportunity which does get a little bit grating at times mm, and is mm. probably over it's like okay we get that this girl likes country music that being said mm. uh, she is fucking brilliant in this there's just nothing short of brilliant and especially as I've seen her what four days ago in Beast playing a completely different character yeah. so like, it is an incredible performance from Jesse Buckley for sure the rest of the film, it's fine. It bowls along at a fairly decent pace. It does that annoying thing where it seems to have got through, sort of three or four fake endings. Uh, and then it does hit some pretty terrible cliches at times. You've got like the, the rich friend who looks... Basically, Jesse Buckley plays a character who rose, um, mm. hence the title, who has spent some time in jail, uh, but is a, country, is a country singer, comes out of jail, starts working for Sophie O'Connor's character, who's like a rich, uh, white, rich housewife, essentially, I think. Mm-hmm. Or she may, she may work, but she's got, she's got a lot of money, regardless. Yeah. Uh, Jesse Buckley's character starts killing the house. Sophie O'Connor's character starts realising that she's, oh, she's a country singer, so she tries to help her out, tries to get her money, and it all gets a very cliche, yeah. and then she finds out that she's been in prison, they fall out. Blah 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 blah. You can pretty you know this as soon as the film starts, you know where the story's going to go. And there are some quite frankly really shit cliched moments in it where you've got like her playing music and then shots of characters in the audience, and it it all it all hits pretty mired cliches mm. uh, at points. But again, like it, if you it, knowing that going into it, if you know what you're getting, you can still have quite a good time with this. Like yeah. it's it's not it's still not unwatchably bad by any stretch, and it's. For those of people who like this kind of thing, then it's great. And yeah, it's for what it knows what it is. It ticks the boxes. It mm. ticks too many cliches at times. But I would say those cliches and the flaws with it are worth putting up with for Jesse Buckley's performance. Same. Unless you hate country music, in which case stay well away from this film because there is <laughs> nothing for you here. <laughs> get your spurs out. But um, yeah, yeah, cool. get your spurs. Yeah, get your spurs out. Put some boots on. You'll have fun. Uh, but don't expect anything that breaks any new ground because it breaks absolutely no new ground and you'll be able to predict every story beat. 
Um, awesome. But yeah, Wild Rose is out, I think, mid-April. So okay. I've done well getting that one yeah. way ahead of well, schedule. So. Thanks thanks for watching that so I don't have to. <laughs> yeah, no worries. No worries. My pleasure. Um, right, we'll be back after this break with our review of Barry Jenkins, If Bill Street Could Talk. What if Beale Street could talk more? <laughs> well, Shall we get the EastEnders puns out of the way now? <laughs> I mean, it was a clue for that when it was the screen unseen only, wasn't it? It was like not or something like not Ian Beale or something yeah. like this. I just every time I hear if Bill Street, Bill Street could talk, I think of Ian Beale and I think of EastEnders. <laughs> right, whatever we think of if Bill Street could talk, which we'll find out in a minute. I promise you, listeners, it's better than EastEnders. It's not Barry Jenkins' is take it, on EastEnders. Is it? No. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, it's definitely better than, than EastEnders, current EastEnders. I don't know if it's any better than like a Grant Mitchell fight. Ooh, Come okay. on now. Well, I feel, that we're gonna, <laughs> I feel that we may disagree on this film. No. Um, <laughs> I'm joking. So good. <laughs> Bad about that. Or am I? Grant yes. and Phil aren't in this. Oh, I know. I was really in. angry. Yeah. There's no, there's Cindy no wasn't in it. No. So irritated. No. Um, right, anyway. so no, EastEnders. Yeah, no, no Ian Bean either, which is good. Uh, EastEnders puns aside, uh, yeah. if Bill Street could talk is Barry Jenkins' follow-up to the Best Picture winner, or not Best Picture yeah. winner as the case may be, or Best Picture winner yeah. Moonlight. Um, yeah, and this stars uh, Kiki Lane. Set this film up for us. Why I tell you? Why? Well, yeah, he's adapt. He adapted a uh, he adapted a play for Moonlight, and now he's adapted a book. The film is set in seventies um, Harlem. Kiki um, Lane and Stefan James. Sorry, Stefan James. James is the name. Yeah. I forgot. I do apologise. Yeah, set in seventies Harlem. Um, young couple. Uh, they've been best friends since they were really little. Um, they fall in love and then the chap gets um, uh, accused of a crime he didn't commit and his now pregnant girlfriends and her family and his family try to prove that he uh, didn't do the crime and the film sort of cuts between present day and flashbacks to sort of tell this couple's story. I don't really know what more to say other than that because that's kind of basically the film I think it's, it's just, it yeah it's just them trying to kind know. of it's them trying to piece their lives the, the fam the extended family of both um Fonny's character Fonny played by Stephen James and Tish who's Kiki Lane so that's the couple them trying to trying to piece their lives back together and go well, actually how how the fuck are we going to raise this child when you're in jail yeah um and the, the film focuses on that and also them trying to get Fonny out of prison because it looks very much like it's a stitch up yeah based on his race um, yeah alone mm. um yeah, I think it's. I think where do we start with this? Let's have. We'll have a clip, and then we'll get yeah. to it. We'll get to what we thought. They're not too much for Tish. All right. What's going on? a sacrament and no I ain't lost my mind we are drinking to new life Tish gonna have Fanny's baby yeah I what did I think of this film I I liked it I did like it um I think I enjoyed the first act more than the last two okay and I I I my favorite scenes were the meeting of the two families yeah and i kind of wish that more of that sort of thing happened throughout the film because it was so well scripted and so well um acted and i kind of felt like they had like a kind of comedic um wonderful family portrayal at the beginning and that tone kind of got lost for the next hour okay do you think it got too heavy then I, yeah, I just feel like it kind of it, it set a tone, and then it just suddenly kind of went to this rom- romance drama, and then at, but at the beginning it was actually like a really lovely, um, like it kind of set it up, but there was going to be more of these kind of two families and how they interacted with mm. each other, whereas we actually only saw the guy's family at the beginning, and then they didn't really come back into it, no. which kind of bothered me a bit. But having said that, I I did like the film. 
but you've got it more fresh in your head than I do, maybe, because I watched the I watched the preview yeah, you a few weeks, weeks ago. ago yeah, um, yeah, I think yeah, I see where you're coming from. I like this a lot. I think from a technical standpoint, it just oh, yeah. looks beautiful. Yeah, like, yeah. If I ever have children. I want Barry Jenkins to shoot all my home videos. So yeah. when I look back, when I look back in 30 years' time and you're looking, oh, look at our family videos, they've all been shot by Barry Jenkins. That would yeah. be incredible. Because if Barry Jenkins just shoot my life and it looks like this film, yeah, yeah, yeah. that would be amazing. Yeah. Like, it just, the cinematography is fantastic. Um, like, without a shadow of a doubt, it just looks, it looks incredible. Mm. Really are. The quality of the performances here, I think, are great. I think um, the, the two leads are fantastic. Mm. Um, Regina King has been nominated for Best Supporting Actress, yeah, I think. Yeah, um, For Tish's mother. And then the other guy that stands out to me is Coleman Domingo, who played Tish's dad. Yeah, yeah. And I thought he was, <clears throat> he was absolutely superb. Yeah. Like, and I, I kind of see what you mean, where I think those characters, I think... Uh, probably see where you come from whereas those characters are so engaging yeah that it seems a shame that we don't spend more that we don't spend more time with them as the film goes on they seem to be relegated to yeah to bit players I, in the love story i guess because it was so sort of um because it was set in a particular maybe it was like budget constraints but i guess because it was harlem in a very specific um era with a specific vibe and a specific you know music clothes um socio-political stuff I, I i they use the kind of spike lee tropes of just throwing up stock pictures so yeah. i'm guessing maybe budget was not big for this film but i just kind of felt like that the the sets recreated harlem but sometimes i just felt like i wasn't in that world okay. as much but i guess maybe that's what they were trying to um portray with the, the making it about these two characters and their yeah. story and the kind of the rest of the world kind of disappears in a way because it mm. wasn't very hustling and bustling around them as yeah. well it was very much about what these two characters were doing if that makes sense uh, i think i, I know, know. where you're from yeah I think, yeah yeah i suppose if you maybe spend, possibly if you spent a bit more time with the extended family you've got a bit more of a feel of yeah and itself. i just felt but like the streets weren't so it does busy. say there's the kind of text that comes up at the beginning, which I think is the it's James Baldwin novel, wasn't it? Yeah. I think it was James Baldwin forward to if Bill Street, the novel. Yeah. And he says Bill Street could be yeah, anywhere. anywhere. So yeah. maybe it's maybe it's yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of see where you come from. I think I had it, I had this this one thing that really stood out for me that really really fucking annoyed me. Mm. I'll be honest. It's like why the fuck? Where does Dave Franco come from? And why is Dave Franco appear in this film? About midway through, the was couple, that Dave Franco? Yeah, the Jew, the um, the Jewish um, veteran agent. Yeah, he lets them, yeah, he lets them the flat. So it couldn't, it didn't annoy you then, but I just didn't even. Like... So basically, I have a massive problem with stunt casting. Whether it is like this, it's the Brad Pitt effect on Twelve right. Years a Slave. It's just like it takes you out of the film. I immediately thought that's not a Jewish this state letting agent for one. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, forget yeah. what they're called in the US, but that's yeah, not yeah, a Jewish yeah. letting agent. That's Dave Franco. Yeah. And that just, I sat there and I was like, that's Dave Franco. That's taking me out of the film. Like, if you're going to have stars in it, they need to either be in it or not in it. But yeah, in a yeah, film yeah. as grounded and as gritty as this, yeah. where I was really into the film, I just sit there and go, it's Dave Franco. Mm. Now I know I'm watching a film. And also, Dave Franco, shit. Like, yeah, I've never, yeah, yeah. I've never liked Dave Franco as an no. actor. I'm sorry. No. I've just never, I've never got on with him. What he's doing anywhere near this film, I don't know. No. What Ed Screen is doing anywhere near this film is beyond me as well. He plays the copper, mm. but at least he's he's mildly ineffective in this. Yeah. And then Pedro Pascal turns up in it as well, which is at least is an actor that I like. Yeah. But again, he plays such a minor role that it's just like, oh, I know I'm watching a film now. Yeah. And it takes you out of the story. Now, maybe that's to get the film budget. Maybe it isn't. Yeah. But it really, really grinded my gears, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, I'm just yeah. like, just stop it. Just have yeah. to. Why does Dave Franco need to be in this? That that two-minute role does not need to be played by a known actor. Like, give someone else an opportunity to get into the uh, to work with Barry Jenkins. Yeah, it's not like Dave Franco needs the break. No, like, he doesn't. he's established. He's fine. Just give yeah. someone else the opportunity to do it because yeah. it just just really yeah, yeah, took yeah. me out of it. I didn't um, even like. I, that's how much I think of Dave Franco. I guess or like, didn't, didn't even spot whatever. him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just it just doesn't make sense. It didn't it yeah. didn't fit for me. So that's probably a minor gripe with it. I think it. It lacks the it lacks the emotional heft of Moonlight. I think I didn't mm. come. I didn't. I came out of Moonlight just kind of breathless, just going, "That was amazing." Yeah, yeah. And I didn't come out of Bill Street with the same thing, going, "Oh my god, that was incredible!" I must tell everyone how how great this film is. Yeah. That being said, from again, I think it's there's almost like the Roma. I'm gonna I'm gonna start using this term, the Roma effect now, right. where I think that a lot of me, a lot of what I liked about 
Bill Street was admiration for its technical accomplishments mm. and its script yeah. and the acting yeah. and just how and just how polished and how how just how good technically good a film this is yeah. from, in terms of how it formally does everything and just how it's made. So I think from that perspective, I think it's it's a very 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 good film. I didn't enjoy it as much as I enjoyed Moonlight. But it doesn't mean it's not as good a film as Moonlight. That's where mm, I stand. Where, yeah. do you, where, where What do you think? Yeah. Agree disagree? Um, I mean, maybe I'm a bit simple with my films in the respect that I just kind of felt like it was it was a beautiful story and it was very poignant and it was very important um, in what it was trying to say. But yeah, I just I sometimes get kind of especially with a film where not a lot really gets resolved as well mm. it's more kind of like putting a microscope under society and i get why it's important but as sort of like an experience i kind of left the cinema sort of going oh yeah it's all a bit shit isn't it <laughs> like everything like things are really shit and i kind of don't uh, that, do you know what i mean like it was a re- it's a really lovely love story but i just felt like yeah i, I yeah everything was and still is really shit uh, especially in America and with race relations, yeah. it's it, and there's so much unjust stuff happening in the world. So I kind of, kind of just yeah, I just felt like that I didn't really that I didn't really get a lot of like peaks and troughs with the, with the story. There wasn't a lot of build up. You think something's gonna happen and then it doesn't. It just sort of the pace was just very steady for yeah. me. Same kind of thing, I guess. Like when I watched Inside Lou and Davis, and it kind of just loops around, and yeah. I was just sort of like. Ah, oh, okay. I think it's it's unapologetically slow cinema without a show yeah. of doubt. But I, yeah. and I think that you know that is not to everyone's taste. I no. quite like that. Yeah, um, yeah. But I can understand that people won't. And I think oh, yeah. you, it's one of those films that critically is is done very well. And then you look at sort of user reviews or like that kind of thing, and it's it's like across across the board. Really, it's kind of a split of people have gone. I really didn't like this. Yeah. So, and then people have just gone. Oh, it's a. Uh, it's incredible. So it's yeah. I'm not saying any blockbuster cinema. No. Do you know what I mean? But I mean, in no, no, that, I, like no. with um, it, it, I just didn't find a lot of like. That's what I'm saying about the family. I found them really interesting yeah. characters, and their script was really good, and the way they interacted. Whereas I just found the two people's character arcs just really boring. And I know it's like really sad what happens to them as people, but I kind of just left a bit underwhelmed because I was sort of like these people aren't very. I mean, I, yeah, I like his his sculpt sculpting thing, maybe like that's a little bit of a kind of yeah bit to him. But yeah, I just kind of felt I was a bit you know <laughs> a bit flat. But you know, very poignant, very important subject matter, very well made, very well acted, super stuff. But it won't yeah. be for everyone. No, it'd be for everyone. No, it won't be for everyone. No. But it did get me to um, buy um, Baldwin's one of Baldwin's books. Okay. Um, uh, I've forgotten the name of it now. <laughs> not if Bill could talk. Not, not, not no, the other one. <laughs> the, the semi-autobiographical okay. one about his childhood in, in Harlem. Yeah, so I thought, it's like, tell me on a Sunday. Not tell me on a Sunday, but it's something like that, which I've completely forgotten. But yeah, so I did actually buy that because I, I was interested in what he had to say yeah. as a writer, which probably leads on to our next section. After a little do, break. Yes. Yeah, after a little break. Uh, so yeah, uh, if Bill Street could talk, not as good as Moonlight, but still worth watching. Yeah, um, And certainly you. reinforces Barry Jenkins as a top tier director, I think. Oh yeah, at the what's he going to adapt next? Yeah, what's a game? Next? I'm quite excited, a video game, yeah. yeah. If, he does, if he does the Resident <laughs> Evil reboot, that would be yeah. incredible. Uh, but yes, as you say, talking of buying books, that leads us into our next section, which will be, after a brief break, uh, our top five book-to-film adaptations, but we have to have read the book. Yes, Welcome back. We've read a lot of books in our time. We've watched a lot of films we, in our time. <laughs> as far as you're aware, I've never read a book. We've never had a conversation <laughs> once that revolves around books. You can read and write, uh, so I'm guessing you know, that you I mean, can have... <laughs> you, if, if you've made the assumption I have read a book, listeners, uh, you're correct, I have. I've read yeah. a few books. and I've, start, I've tried some more. Recently, I've even, even recently I've read some books. I've been getting back into reading yeah. uh, uh, quite a lot recently, so... 
Yes, Grace, I have read some books. Oh, um, that's good. So, yeah, do you want to go? It was your idea. Do you want to go first? Yeah, and um, and um, but these are like in no particular order because that's fine. We'll call it a top five. Because we'll call it a top five because it's good for SEO. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's a good hashtag to have a top five. <laughs> it really is. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. So. Um. So okay, my number five um is the color purple by Alice Walker. Have you I've ever? Not, se- I've not read or seen it. Have you not? No. Have you not seen the color purple? Whoopi's finest hour. <laughs> Swiffy Goldberg in the in the lead. I don't. Do you know what? I don't actually know. That's really awful. I don't know. But no, I, I just it's um it's a film that I watched I'll when check, I was really on, young, and I was so. just completely blown away by it. And I just remember being just like, and then I read the book, and both the book and the film just completely just wiped me emotionally. And I just remembered, yeah, it's Spielberg. I don't know. You just never. I. That's one of the films where I just don't automatically put Spielberg no. to it, and you should because it is such an, ama- an amazing film. Um, yeah, it's just again, it's it's um, it's a really poignant, important film um, about um, it just follows a, a, a young girl basically and her really sort of horrible, horrible family life. I don't want to give too much away because it is like a real kind of roller coaster ride. But Whoopi Goldberg's um, performance is just like you see her today, and you're just like, how can that woman who's just like making fart jokes on her on her morning daytime program um be yeah, so um wonderful and um, no ghost no ghost this is this is like full-on okay. like yeah she's amazing so for her performance alone i i, I really recommend um is it close the to the book in terms of adaptation do you remember the book yeah. that well excuse my buzzing phone then my goodness outrageous <laughs> <laughs> i was just trying to like um yeah no it is it is really close it's really close to the book um and um they're both equally as hard hitting okay um so um yeah for that reason that's in my top five good yeah right. my number five and i don't know what drove me to do this i watched the film then read the book then watched the film again yeah I'm a glutton for punishment. Yeah. So that's Requiem for a Dream. Oh, well done. I haven't yes. read the book. So. It's pretty grim, much like the film, to be honest. It's, it's in my bookcase. Yeah. But... If you're a glutton for punishment, then, yeah. you know, read the book Yeah. Uh, as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, Requiem for a Dream is, I would say, one of the most memorably powerful films I've seen. Yeah. Um, in terms of, it's a film, if you haven't seen it, it's a film about addiction. Uh, not necess- I wouldn't say it's necessarily about drug use. I think it's more about addiction yeah. in general. Yeah. There is there is some pretty hardcore drug use in it. Yeah. There's some very horrible scenes in this, so it's not for the faint of heart. But mm. it's a great film from Darren Aronofsky. Yeah. Um, featuring some really good performances actually from Jared Leto. Yeah, like the uh, only good performance Jared Leto's <laughs> ever done. <laughs> uh, Jennifer Connelly. Um, who else is in this? Keith David's in this. With it. there's a there's a memorable Jennifer Connelly scene, but I won't, we won't go too too far into that. Um. But yeah, it's a, it's a very, very dark film. It's not an easy watch, but it's a very, very powerful piece of cinema. And actually, it's pretty close to the book. Um, although I read the book. Reading the book after the film isn't cheating, I don't think, in this case. No, I have, no, no. I have read the book as well. No, so, not at all. Um, it's a Harlan... No, it's not Harlan. Who, is, who wrote Requiem for a Dream? Let's see if I can remember. I it's, don't know. What did you think of Requiem for a Dream? Oh, um, do you know what? I, I've only watched Requiem for a Dream once and I watched it when I was a late teen and I was sort of um, doing teenagery stuff and I kind of forgot. I remember being so traumatised by it first time around that I haven't really revisited it and then I kind of like went like, oh, yeah, Jared Leto, what douche. Um, but um, that I, I remember more the the mum scenes and her addiction to oh, telly. Yes. That's that's the stuff that has stuck in my mind the yeah. most from that film. I think. Yeah. Um, so I should watch it again because I there's not a Darren Aronofsky film I haven't liked so far, and I still need to watch Pie. Okay. I even that's liked fantastic. Noah, and I hate Emma Watson I and like Russell Crowe makes me laugh. Yeah. And I and I I still enjoyed that film. So if he can get me to even enjoy an Emma Watson performance, then well, there we go. You know, uh, Hubert Selby Jr. wrote the book of Requiem ah. for a Dream uh, in 1978. Nice one. So right, that's Requiem for a Dream. If you haven't seen it, see it. Uh, yeah. But be warned. <laughs> be warned. Uh, what's your number four? Um, my number four, um, it's Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, but I do, Tim Burton is one of my favourite directors and I do have a real soft spot for the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory adaptation. I know a lot of people don't like it, but I love it. (laughs) And actually his adaptation of the book in terms of, um, 
the songs and stuff that's more true to the actual oh, book, the book? Right, that, like okay. the, like he actually lifts roll dolls umpa lumpa written songs and stuff so it is the dark side is taken more from that but yeah. as an actual film that resonates with me uh willy wonka and the chocolate factory i think is just a delight i've seen it about 20 times i cry every time it's um when he opens up the factory and it goes into that wonderful song um and you sing a bit of the song for no us? not no, this okay. morning no <laughs> come <laughs> with me and you'll see um, <laughs> <laughs> the one that got made famous by that phone advert um was it a phone advert or was it a telly advert where they were like advertising all the oh look at our colorful screen lg or something yeah life world anyway but yeah um yeah and and that whole scene um where he takes them on the boat ride and there's like all the fucked up images being projected with like the chicken's head being chopped off like i i watched this for a children's cinema while i was working and i was just like oh my god this film is so messed up oh my god and um and i was like oh yeah that's why marilyn manson like reused it for one of his music videos and like it's just it's just so wonderful and um uh gene wilder it is gene wilder isn't it i'm not i'm going crazy it's it's so early in the morning i'm like no i don't doubt yourself you know these people so so amazing my god he is he is really wrong i mean don't, don't get me wrong johnny i love you just do something really good soon please but um yeah <laughs> just yeah just <laughs> just stop being such a money whore <laughs> um and stop doing those perfume adverts um yeah no i i it, and i actually in terms of the the world that is built it is true to right roald dahl's one of my favorite authors and um out of all the um oh, do you know what yeah i'm gonna check I, I can't put two roald dahl films in but just like a you bonus i could but just like a bonus shout out on the roald dahl thing is um wes anderson's fantastic mr fox just as like a bonus round because that's like um yeah amazing amazing film as well watch that there we go tied cool. <laughs> move that uh, my number four is a film from just last year, believe it or not. Really? Yeah, a Netflix uh, release, which I think is finally getting a 4K release uh, very shortly. Uh, this is Alex Garland's Annihilation. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, is that a book, is it? It is a book. Know. It's okay. basically... Uh, so Annihilation is the first in a series of three books called the Southern Reach Trilogy. Uh, and interestingly, Alex Garland has said he's not interested in adapting any of the others, so Annihilation looks like it'll stand as a, as a standalone. But the book is incredible. Um, there's probably even more of a sense of mystery. Well, they, yeah, there's probably more of a sense of... The, you know, there's about the same sense of mystery in the book as there is in the film. So again, you have very little idea of what's going on. Um, there's loads of freaky, fucked-up scenes. They've kind of messed around. The adaptation is, I'd say, a very good act- adaptation of the book what people don't grasp all the time is when they go oh it's different to the book it's like yes because they're two different they're two different formats like yeah, yeah, certain yeah. things that work on the page don't work on screen and vice versa yeah. so there are things that they've messed around with in annihilation for example they go to the lighthouse they go to the lighthouse in annihilation uh, in the film Mm. which is in the book but where they encounter where all the weird shit goes down at the end of Annihilation if you haven't seen it very weird shit goes down at the end it's fucking blew yeah, my yeah. mind and it's incredible mm. I loved it yeah. um, that stuff happens in, in a different place in the book and so yeah they've messed around with it a bit Alex Garland certainly messed around with how it's set up but it still captures the spirit of the book Yeah. and to me those adaptations are kind of the best ones the ones that aren't afraid to make changes to make it fit the, the format of film, yeah. but also capture the spirit of the book. And yeah. also it makes it a bit more interesting, I think, for the viewer yeah. who's read the book to then watch the film and go, okay, at least I don't know exactly what's happening yeah. now. Because sometimes you go in, there, there, there will be times, because I like to read, I enjoy films the most, hence why I don't mm. do a book podcast, do yeah, a film yeah, yeah. podcast. So I don't always, like, sometimes I want to read the book first. Other times I don't want to read the book first because I don't really want to know what happens. Yeah, of course. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and Annihilation just just nailed the the mood, the absolute mood of the book without without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, yeah. I'd quite like to see them make the other two. Yeah. Because uh, the story itself is great, and although for people who were were concerned with the lack of context or intrigued by what's going on in the in the film Annihilation, the second two books do give more context to actually what's going on. Not a lot more, which is what I quite liked about the trilogy itself, but they do give you a bit more context as to what's going on. But it's just yeah. a superb. 
absolutely superb adaptation of a great sci-fi book. Yeah, I, th- I think um, like a lot of Stephen King's um, books have that kind of where the the, the initial um, the, the original books are like so far out and weird sometimes that like like for example with The Shining, I'm pre- I mean I haven't I haven't finished reading The Shining, but I've, I've heard there's a weird bit where like the um, maze topiary like comes out and starts like jumping after the yeah. characters and there's like shit like that where it's just like that's not super scary but when you're reading it it could be scary in yeah. your mind and the uh, same with it like I put that book down because I was just like oh no I really love the film the original Tim Curry film too much and this has just got a whole lot of weird and I don't want to ruin that because like Stephen King stuff is so odd so I get what we'll you're get saying like, we'll lots... get to the shining in a minute Oh, will we? Yeah. Oh, yes, we will. Oh, yes. will we? Yes, we will. oh bloody hell. So sorry. <laughs> okay. Okay. So I'll quickly go on to my next one because <laughs> I'm just talking too much. Um, I'm going to go with um, Truman Capote's Breakfast at Tiffany's. Oh. Whoa! One of my favourite movies of all time. Despite the racial stereotypes. Yes. Yes. I slapped myself on the wrist. Um, yeah, no, it's, um, it's uh, you know, I. I, I Breakfast at Tiffany's is such a wonderful film. Audrey Hepburn is such a beauty. I love her. I love um, the um, how it captures um, American party life. I'm pretty sure it's set in New York. Yeah, it's set in New York. Why am I questioning myself? Um, but yeah, and um, that whole um, love story arc is so romantic in that end scene where she's got the cat and her anorak and it's pouring with rain. It's just so wonderful. Um, and it's just about um, this sort of, uh, feeling of a uh, sense of loss and not knowing who you are and the book is similar to that but there's a couple of different dark tones much as like what Truman Capote does and if you've seen the film with Philip Seymour Hoffman yes. you know he was a pretty weird guy so the book has a kind of very different sort of ending half um, so but I, I, I like that I like that the film was adapted to be a bit more a bit more jolly I think, and it works for that era. But I love both both the book and the film equally. I, I think. I read the book then. I've, I've seen the film. You'd be pleased to know. Yeah. Not for a while, but yeah, I didn't know the book. Yeah. So there you yeah. go. I've learnt something today. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> uh, number three for me is I'm going with the trilogy here. This is Lord of the Rings. Ah, oh, that's my number two. This is your number two. Well, yeah. we can we can save we can save ourselves and the listeners some time, and we can both talk about it. <laughs> okay, yeah, let's do it. Um, Lord of the Rings again. I think I I read started to read the books as a kid. I'll be yeah. honest, I didn't get through the first half of the Fellowship, which is mm. very very weighty and descriptive. Yeah. Uh, but also does contain uh, Tom Bombadil, who I really would like to have seen in the films in mm. some capacity. Mm. But I kind of get that I don't think he would have worked in the films. Yeah. So Tom Bombadil, uh, I have now read the books, so and just to clarify. Mm. So after the first film came out, I then read all three books back to back. It took yep. me a while. I didn't read the songs. I'll be honest, they got on my nerves. Uh, so yeah. hands up. I didn't read the songs. Well, you haven't uh. read the book then. Uh Fuck you. Sorry. <laughs> Not you, Grace, but just in general. <laughs> yeah. so if people say that, I've read as much of the book as I enjoyed. I yeah, couldn't yeah. be doing the songs, I'm sorry. Uh, but what I read was was incredible. Like, yeah. It takes a while to get going, but once it does get going, it's it, it's great. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I just think the books, the films just capture Middle Earth so well in yeah. terms of just the, just such a beautifully constructed fantasy world. I don't oh, think yeah. has been done as well no. before and probably no. not since. No, in all honesty, and it's really it's the, it's the template now for fantasy. I think yeah, completely, and I think it's really important when you've got a director who's passionate about that world. I don't know. It was um, I mean, Harry Potter's not on my list because, but <laughs> controversial. Harry Potter's not on my list. Either, no, so. but I don't know if if all the Harry Potter films had the same director throughout. No, or, no. So you no. know, with Peter Jackson being so sort of immersed in that world and that whole bond of all the cast and. It, yeah. it, I think it, you know, it's obvious that they there they was a shot passion. Them in, they shot them very close together. <clears throat> exactly. I think the second two they shot back to back. In fact, yeah. So, so um, you know, whereas you know, I mean, the Hobbit. I don't know what happened there, but you know, because yeah, I love yeah. the Hobbit. I prefer the Hobbit as a book. Yeah. But the films, I was just like, what this? This is so stupid. What have you done to my beloved Bilbo? But it's just, I think everything that everything that I'd read because I'd read the Hobbit as a kid. I yeah. Read bits of all of the Rings as a kid. As yeah, 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 yeah. But it just feels like, I don't know, I just, every time I think about that now, I, I just think of Middle Earth looking the way it does in the films and it yeah. almost like, and mm. just, and that's, that's obviously because you've seen it, but I, yeah. ju- I just get the, I just get the impression that if Tolkien had been around to go on to set, has Tolkien had been around to see the films, yeah, I mm. just would be very surprised if he was disappointed. You yeah. know where I'm coming from? I just got yeah, the impression yeah, yeah. that he would have gone, 
yes, yeah. <laughs> like, this is how it should look. Yeah. And, and maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. So I can't speak for him. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I just think it's just just almost the perfect literary adaptation. Have you seen the cartoon version of Lord of the Rings? Uh, no. That's really tricky. Okay. And well, also, trippy, yeah. um, there was also, and um, the Beatles wanted to make a version. Right. Okay. Starring themselves <clears throat> in Lord of the Rings, right. and I think I I read somewhere the other day that Peter Jackson is actually going to make a Beatles film, oh, okay. which is quite a weird like kind of tie-in. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, they were kind of. They all wanted to play. I can't remember who was going to be Gandalf. Maybe John was going to be Gandalf. But yeah, so yeah, it's just a little bonus fact right there of yeah. Lord of the Rings adaptations. Cool. So what, what's your number two? So my number two, uh, we alluded to it earlier, uh, The yeah. Shining. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Stephen King adapted, of, of course, by Stanley Kubrick. Yeah. Um, you talked a bit about the the, the the topiary scene. Again, certain things like that. And again, if you, especially when The Shining came out, there's certain scenes that's, that would look silly with CGI special effects or just wouldn't have been achievable at yeah. that point, especially when The Shining came out. And again, I think this is this is a prime example of film adaptations that take bits from the book yeah. that work in the film format but don't work in the book basis. And famously, Stephen King doesn't like The Shining he doesn't think it's a very good adaptation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. He's wrong. Yeah, he is <laughs> but, um, wrong. The Shining is one of the greatest films of all time, yeah. without a shadow of a doubt. It's one of the greatest horror films of all time. Yeah. The performances are incredible. It looks fantastic. It's Kubrick yeah. at the peak of yeah. his powers, without a doubt. And it won a Razzie at the um, time. Did it really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So, um, you know. Good, good for Razzies, getting yeah. it on the, hitting the nail on the head. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's just, it takes, but having read the book, it takes enough from the book that you know you're watching a film adaptation of The Shining. Yeah. But again, it does enough differently to go, this stands on its own two feet and this is an incredible film in its own right. Um, so yeah. yeah, The Shining at, at my number two. Yeah. Um, what's your number one? My number one is Koji Suzuki's Ringu, The Ring. Ah, okay. I did not know this was a book. Yeah. Um, twice so, I've learned something too. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm like obsessed with Japanese horror films. Um, I wrote a whole sort of dissertation on Japanese horror films, the representation of women. So I kind of immersed myself um, in the ring universe. And um, it's a trilogy. Um, I have to admit, by the third one, I got a bit trailed off because it kind of goes into this weird world where um, basically Sadako is a... Uh, kind of computer virus and everyone's in a weird kind of universe where like they're like do you know what I mean like it's being controlled but the first book is so good and so terrifying and so weird and then it's really interesting to see then how the Japanese um, film is takes from the book and leaves certain stuff out and then how the American remake completely. Do you know what I mean it's like lots of it's like a Chinese whisper of the book? Like there's the basic fundamental thing of a girl gets shoved down the well and then she comes out through a telly and calls up and says seven days, yeah. which stays throughout. Okay. But but and it's still got this thing of a journalist tries to stop her whatever from yeah. dying. But the original book it kind of it, it embellishes more of the kind of uh, Japanese um, health and political. Um, the structures and controversies and stuff at the time um and also in um in japan like because um spirituality and ghosts are so um intertwined with um but um shinto buddhism it it's seen less as a horror film because it's okay. kind of seen as more of a religious thing i guess I so it's more it. seen more of a thriller it's shit it scared the shit out of me when i first oh, watched the film oh yeah and now i know and if you want to come around and watch these, you're more than welcome because Arrow have just done a reissue oh, box set. Yeah, I've, I've ordered them. Oh they'll, my be, God. they'll be here in about three weeks' time. Is it in so 3D? Because that would be that would be no, fucking don't, sick. Don't Could you imagine 3D. watching 3D Sadako <laughs> coming out of your telly? Like, no, I'd be too scared. Holy shit, I would love that so much. Did you ever see that? A complete side note. Now there was a they did a stunt for I think Rings or Ring S, as yes. I was calling it, where they where they actually got someone in a TV shop to crawl out of a TV yes. in the middle of the TV yes. shop, which would have been terrifying. Yes, absolutely terrifying. I love but it. Yeah, the Ring series is great. Yeah, uh, but the book is like is so good, and I highly recommend okay. first and second books are like some of the scariest reading i've ever done and um i will yeah love it do it koji suzuki boom yeah that was my number one (laughs) number one for me could it be anything else jurassic park oh really i haven't read jurassic park my love of that film as any (laughs) listeners will know of this show when there are no no bounds 
Uh, so I'm not going to talk about it for long because there's not much not been said about Jurassic Park on this show in all honesty. Um, but yeah, incredible film. One of my number, probably oh, it is my favourite film of all time. I can just watch it time and time and time again. Uh, the book, it's, it's fairly close in terms yeah. into the book. The book's great as well, don't get me wrong. Um, it's a it's a fast-paced read for Michael Crichton. He does that kind of sort of scary science stuff really, really well. Um, slight changes in the book. Uh, spoilers here if you haven't read the book. John Hammond dies at the end of the book. Uh, he falls down a ditch and gets eaten by compies. Uh, and there is a whole pterodactyl cage scene that I think they bought back for Jurassic Park 3, mm. uh, which is basically torn straight from the pages of the first Jurassic Park. And I think, if I remember rightly, there's a riverboat sequence in Jurassic Park, the book as well, I haven't read it for a while, that didn't make it into the film. I think all those are basically just special effects and budget constraints, really. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's an incredible book. It's a great adaptation. Um, if you haven't read it, read it. And if you haven't read Jurassic Park, The Lost World, then definitely read that because it's so much better than the film. Okay. So much better than the film, The Lost World is. Like cool. it's, it's, they go to, they go to a second island. In the second book, they go to, they go to a second, there is a second island, but the second island is where they were experimenting with making the dinosaurs in the first place. It's where all the mistakes are. Yeah. So you've got all these like fucking hyper aggressive, like mutant raptors and like mutant dinosaurs that have gone wrong. And that's well, what the so... second book's focused on rather than the second film when they go back and round them all up from yeah, Jurassic yeah. Park. So bonkers. Yeah. I the second book is much better than the second film. Cool. So Jurassic Park is my number one book to film adaptation. Jurassic Nine. Park indeed. <laughs> Partridge is back on BBC soon as well. Yeah. Uh, but that's a complete side note. Yeah, Jurassic yeah. Park just what my favourite film of all time, I would say the film I can watch the most. Uh yeah, incredible adaptation. Um, yeah. And that was our top five book to film adaptations it that was. we've read. Yeah, and we obviously go. we've read comics, but we can't really talk about that. That's not no. books, is it? That's no, we can get to that comic, another show. Another show, yeah, another time. Another show. Can't include those. They're just novels, you know, classic, classic novel literature. But those sirens, uh, listeners, bring us to the end <laughs> of this week's show. Um, so we'll be back next week with an interview with the guys from Rebel Film Festival, a bit of a wrap up of what we thought about that, and a review of. What should we review next week, Grace? What's up this oh, week? Any I ideas? Don't know. Any I don't ideas? Know. I don't Let's... know. It's fighting my family out next week. Fighting my family is out the week after. Oh, is it? I yeah. don't know what's going on anymore. Uh, Cold Pursuit is out this weekend, I think. Oh, is it? Yeah. So we <laughs> How well do we Pursuit. think that's we'll going to? Private War, that's out. Has Liam Neeson just like shot? Yeah. The main focus next week will be the interview of Rebel Film Festival. Yeah, Happy exactly. Death Day to you. We haven't got that. We haven't caught up with that yet. I haven't watched the first so, one. You should. Why. It's great. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Right. Anyway, yeah. In the meantime, find us on Instagram on Strangers in a Cinema on yeah. Twitter at Strangers Cinema, yeah, or Facebook Strangers in a Cinema. Uh, email us at Strangers in a Cinema at gmail dot com, and it's yeah. goodbye from me. Bye bye from me. Shut up and sit down.